Hello and welcome to another episode of Storytime Madness. Today we're going to read the 7th and 8th chapters of The Tale of Little Pigling Robinson by Beatrix Potter. So sit back, relax and enjoy. It was not supposed for one moment that Robinson was ill-treated on board the ship. Quite the contrary, he was even better fed and more petted on the pound of candles than he had been at Piggery Porkham. So after a few days fretting for his kind old aunt, especially while he was seasick, Robinson became perfectly contented and happy. He found what was called his sea legs and scampered about about the deck until the time when he became too fat and lazy to scamper. The cook was never tired of boiling porridge for him. A whole sack full of meal and a sack of potatoes appeared to have been provided especially for his benefit and pleasure. He could eat as much as he pleased. It pleased him to eat a great deal and to lie on the warm boards of the deck. He got lazier and lazier as the ship sailed south into warmer water. The mate made a pet of him. The crew gave him biscuits. The cook rubbed his back and scratched his sides. His ribs could not be tickled because he had laid so much fat on. The only persons who refused to treat him as a joke were the yellow tomcat and Captain Barnabas Butcher, who was a sour disposition. The attitude of the cat was perplexing to Robinson. Obviously, it disapproved of the maize meal porridge business, and it spoke mysteriously about the impropriety of greediness and about the disatrocious result of overindulgence, but it did not explain what those results might be. And as for the cat itself, it cared neither for yellow meal nor tatties. Robinson thought that its warnings might arise from prejudice. It was not unfriendly. It was mournful and foreboding. The cat itself was crossed in love. Its morose and gloomy outlook upon life was partly because of separation from the owl. That sweet henbird, a snowy owl of Lapland, had sailed upon northern Whaler, bound for Greenland. Whereas the pound of candles was heading for the tropic seas. Therefore, the cat neglected its duties and was upon the worst of terms with the cook. Instead of blacking boots and valeting the captain, he spent days and nights in the rigging, serenading the moon. Between times, it came down on deck and remonstrated with Robinson. It never told him plainly why he ought not to eat so much, but it referred frequently to a mysterious date which Robinson could never, ever remember. The date of Captain Butcher's birthday, which he celebrated annually by an extra good dinner. That's what they are sa- saving up the apples for. The onions are done, sprouted with the heat. I heard Captain Barnabas took the cook to tell the cook that onions were of no consequence as long as there were apples for sauce. In fact, he and the cat were both on the side of the ship. The cat and 
the little pig sat watching a shoal of silvery fishes. The ship was completely becalmed. The cook strolled across the deck to see what the cat was looking at and exclaimed joyfully at the sight of fresh fish. Presently, half the crew were fishing. They baited their lines with bits of scarlet wool and bits of biscuit. And the boatswain had a successful catch on a line baited with a shiny button. The worst of button fishing was that so many fish dropped off while being hauled onto the deck. Consequently, Captain Butcher allowed the crew to launch the jolly boat, which was let down from some iron contraption called the Tavits onto the glassy surface of the sea. Five tailors got into the boat. The cat jumped in also. They fished for hours. There was not a breath of wind. In the absence of the cat, Robinson fell asleep peacefully upon the warm deck. Later, he was disturbed by the voices of the mate and the cook, who had not gone fishing. The former was saying, I don't fancy a loin of pork with sunstroke cookie. Stir him up, or else throw a piece of sailcloth over him. I was bred on a farm myself. Pigs should never be let sleep in a hot sun. As why, inquired the cook. Sunstroke, replied the in- inmate. Likewise, it scorches the skin, makes it peely, spoils the look of the crackling. At this point, a rather heavy, dirty piece of sailcloth was flung over Robinson, who kicked and struggled with sudden grunts. Did he hear you, matey? asked the cook in a lower voice. Don't know. Don't matter. He can't get off the ship, replied the mate, lighting his pipe. Might upset his appetite. He's feeding beautiful, said the cook. Presently, the voice of Captain Barnabas Butcher was heard. <clears throat> he had come up onto deck after a siesta below in the cabin. Proceed to the crow's nest on the main mast. Observe the horizon through a telescope according to latitude and longitude. We ought to be amongst the archipelago by the chart and compass, said the voice of Captain Butcher. It reached the ears of Robinson through the sailcloth mu- in muffled tones, but but enough that he could hear it. Although it was not so received by the mate, who occasionally contradicted the captain when no one was listening. My corn's very painful, said the mate. <clears throat> Send the cat up, ordered Captain Barnabas briefly. The cat is out in the boat fishing. Fetch him in then said Captain Barnabas, losing his temper. He has not blacked my boots for a fortnight. He went below, that is, down a stepladder into his cabin, where he proceeded to work out the latitude and longitude again, in search of the archipelago. It's to be hoped that he mends his temper before next Thursday, where he won't enjoy roast pork, said the mate to the cook. 
they strolled to the other end of the deck to see what fish had been caught. Boat was coming back. As the weather was perfectly calm, it was left overnight upon the glassy sea, tied below a porthole or ship's window at the stern of the Count of Candles. The cat was sent up to the mast with a telescope, it remained there for some time. When it came down, it reported quite untruthfully that there was nothing in sight. No particular watch or lookout was kept that night upon the pound of candles, because the ocean was so calm. The cat was supposed to watch, if anybody did. All the rest of the ship's company played cards. Not so, not so the cat or Robinson. The cat had noticed a slight movement under the sailcloth. It found Robinson shivering with fright, and in floods of tears, he had overheard the conversation about court. I'm sure I have given you enough hints, said the cat to Robinson. What, what do you suppose they were feeding you up for? Now don't start squealing, you little fool. It's as easy as snuff if you will listen and stop crying. You can row after a fashion. Robinson had been out fishing occasionally and caught several crabs. Well, you have not far to go. I could see the top of Bong Tree on an island in any. When I was up the mast, the straits of the archipelago are too shallow for the pound of candles, and I scuttle all the other boats. Come along and do what I tell you, said the cat. The cat, actuated partly by unselfish friendship and partly by a grudge against the cook and Captain Barnabas Butcher, assisted Robinson to collect a varied assortment of necessaries shoes sealing wax a knife an armchair fishing tackle a straw hat a saw fly papers a potato pot a telescope a kettle a compass a hammer a barrel of flour and not another of meal a keg of fresh water a tumbler a teapot nails a bucket a screwdriver that reminds me said the cat and what did it go do but go round the deck with the gimlet and bore large holes in the three boats that remained on board the pound of candles. By this time, there began to be ominous sounds below. Those of the sailors who had had bad hands were beginning to be tired of carding. So the cat took a hasty farewell of Robinson, pushed him over the ship's side, and he slid down the rope into the boat. The cat unfastened the upper end of the rope and threw it after him. Then it ascended the rigging and pretended and then pretended to sleep upon its watch. Robinson stumbled somewhat in taking his seat at the oars. His legs were short for rowing. Captain Barnabas in the cabin suspended his deal, a card in his hand listening. The cook took the opportunity to look under the card. Then he went on slapping down the cards, which drowned the sound of oars upon 
the placid sea. So the cat took a, again, said goodbye to Robinson. After another hand or two, two sailors left the cabin and went on deck. They noticed something having the appearance of a large black beetle in the distance. One of them said it was an enormous cockroach swimming with its enormous cock with its enormous hind legs. The other said it was a dolphin. They disputed rather loudly. Captain Barnabas, who had had a hand with no triumphs at all after the cook dealing, he came on deck and said, Bring me my telescope. The telescope had disappeared. Likewise, the shoes, the sealing wax, the compass, the potato pot, the straw hat, the hammer, the nails, the bucket, the screwdriver, and the armchair. Take the jolly boat and see what it is, ordered Captain Butcher. All jolly fine, but suppose it is a dolphin, said the mate, mutinously. Why, bless my life, the jolly boat is gone, exclaimed the sailor. <clears throat> Take another boat. Take all the three other boats. <clears throat> is that the pig and the cat? roared the captain. Robinson rowed away from the pound of candles. Nay, sir, the cat's up the rigging asleep. Bother the cat. Get pig back. The apple sauce will be wasted, shrieked the cook, dancing about and brandishing a knife and fork. The tabbits were swung out. The boat were let down with a swish and a splash. All the sailors tumbled in and rowed frantically, and most of them were glad to row frantically back to the Hand of Candles, for every boat leaked badly. <clears throat> Thanks, said the cat. Robinson rowed away from the Pound of Candles. He tugged steadily at the oars. They were heavy for him. The sun had set, but it understood that in the tropics I have never been there. There is a fluorescent light upon the sea, where Robinson lifted his oars. The sparkling water dripped from the blades like diamonds, and presently the moon began to rise above the horizon, rising like a great silver plate. Robinson rested on his oars and gazed at the ship, motionless in the moonlight, on a sea without a ripple. It was at this moment, he, beginning a quarter of a mile away, that the two sailors came on deck and thought his boat, and thought his boat was a swimming beetle. Robinson rested on his oars and gazed at the ship, motionless. Robinson was too far away to see or hear the uproar on board the pound of candles. But he did presently perceive that three boats were starting in pursuit. Involuntarily, he commenced to squeal and rowed frantically before he had time to exhaust himself by racing. The ship's boats turned back. Then Robinson remembered the cat's work with the gimlet, and he knew that the boats were leaking. The rest of the night he rowed quietly without haste. He was not in inclined to sleep, and the air was pleasantly cool. 
The next day it was hot, but Robinson slept soundly under the sailcloth, which the cat had been careful to send with him, in case he wished to rig up a tent. The ship receded from view. You know that sea is not really flat. First he could not see the hull, then he could not see the deck, then only part of the mast, then nothing at all. Half an hour's rowing brought him to the beach of a large and fertile island. Robinson had been steering his course by the ship. Having lost sight of the direction sign, he turned round to consult his compass. When bump bump, the boat touched a sandbank. Fortunately, it did not stick. Robinson stood up in the boat, working one oar backwards and gazing round. What should he see but the top of the bong tree? Half, half an hour's rowing had made it to safety. He landed in the most approved manner in a convenient sheltered bay where a stream of boiling water flowed down the silvery strand. The shore was covered with oysters. Acid drops and sweets grew upon the trees. Yams, which are sort of sweet potato, abounded ready cooked. The bread fruit tree grew iced cakes and muffins ready baked so no pig need sigh for porridge overhead towered the bong tree the owl and the pussycat visiting the island of the bong tree if you want a more detailed description of the island you must read robinson crusoe the island of the bong tree was very like Crusoe's, only without its drawbacks. I have never been there myself, and so rely upon the report of the owl and the pussycat, who visited it eighteen months later, and spent a delightful honeymoon there. They spoke enthusiastically about the climate, only it was a little too warm for the owl. Later on, Robinson was visited by Stumpy and little dog Timpkins. They found him perfectly contented and in the best of good health. He was not at all inclined to return to Stimmouth. For anything I know, he may still be living there upon the island. He grew fatter and fatter and fatter. And the cook's ship never, ever, ever found him. The End Thank you for listening to all of our different episodes of Chapters of the Tale of Little Pigling Robinson by Bidjix Potter. I hope you enjoyed this story. We have now completed our collection of Bidjix Potter books, so we will be now moving on to a different collection of stories. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Bye-bye.